Hello gorgeous. I know that the topic that I am covering on this week's episode of the Untapped podcast is going to totally be up your alley because it is one that I think I couldn't cover enough. But I haven't had anybody on for an interview for a while about this topic. So we're about to change that. I'm talking about ethical selling, heart-centered selling and closing more people for your coaching, consulting, high ticket offers like a pro, but doing it in a way that totally makes you feel like a rock star. And in this particular episode, I've brought in the lovely Kate Hall Lacey to really share with you how to do that in a way that is honestly fun and will get you jazzed about sales. I know it seems like a promise that maybe one can't keep or a little bit over-exaggerated, but trust me, you're really going to enjoy this episode. I think so. I really enjoyed it. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. So my guest today, Kate Hall-Lacey, was awarded the position of state sales manager at just 19 and went on to become one of the top recruitment consultants in Australia, earning over $30,000 a month in her mid-20s. She went on to open her own agency at 27 and then, well, she tells the story in our interview, so I'll let her share it because it's much cooler when it comes from her. But she is all about selling and more importantly, the mindset that you need. She's been known as the sales yogi and she's on a mission to help value-driven entrepreneurs make exciting money and claim their impact through the magic of messaging and the art of heart-centered selling. She's also the creator of the acclaimed LinkedIn Lead Generation Summit, and she has over 30,000 followers of her daily videos on LinkedIn, and she's recently been named a LinkedIn sales star. So yes, we do talk a little bit as well about LinkedIn and using it as a great platform, but we also talk about the five mistakes that cost entrepreneurs sales and how to fix them. We talk about the keys to persuasion and powerful self-confidence. We talk about what objections really are and how to karate chop them before they arise. And we honestly go deep into why learning and understanding the art and process of selling is going to make your life so much easier. And when you think about it, nobody's a born salesperson. Nobody is a born French linguist, right? Unless you're born in France. And one of the biggest things we discuss in this episode is why do people think they're going to be good at selling when they've never even learned how to do it or what good selling is or how to close in a way that just feels so aligned with what you're passionate about. So I really hope that this episode delivers for you and you get a ton out of it. Let's dive in. I am so thrilled to have Kate Hall Lacey join me on the Untapped podcast. Welcome. How are you? Hi, Natalie. I'm good. It's so good to be here with a fellow, well, a fellow 
what do we call us, Antipodeans. Yeah, I think that's what I said earlier, isn't it? So those of us down under in the land of sunshine and bounty and plentiful and lack of COVID, which is (laughs) eternally grateful for. Yeah, it's neat to have an Aussie accent on the podcast. I would love to know, first of all, and so would the listeners, how you get paid to be you, because that's what this podcast is all about. Sounds good. Well, I'm actually a sales and mindset coach. So I actually fell into it so long ago. It's not even funny. I went to be an actor, missed out on that. I fell into a sales role and I was like, yay, sales. So not, but I did okay. Cause I always work really hard, but I then got life-changing sales and mindset mentoring. And I quickly rose to be top in the company and they promoted me to be Victorian state sales manager. I was the youngest wow. and only female manager in the company. And I then came to Sydney with my first boyfriend and I was apparently what, like one of Australia's best recruiters, making great money in my 20s. And then I got a break to become a professional singer. So that was cool. And I did that for like literally 10 years. Well, I did counseling at university. I loved business. I needed to do something more and I didn't know what. So I prayed for my next step. And within a couple of days, one of my best friends who owns a marketing agency said, Kate, I have just done a launch. It's cost me five, $6,000. No one is signing up. Everyone's saying, no, I hate sales. I wish I didn't have to do it. Used to be great at sales. Can you please help me? So of course I said, yes. And she got great results really quickly. I said, you're going to fall off your chair when you see how easy this works, how easy it is to do. And she rang after I think the second session and said, oh my God, it worked. I nearly fell off my chair. First sale. She started answering objections more elegantly and she started saying, this is actually really fun. And what was a revelation to me is because I started sales so young, just thought everybody who is a decent communicator and who's smart woman is good at sales, but it's just not the case. And they think they're really bad at sales, but they're actually not. They just haven't had any training. So of course, they're exactly. not. it's like, you know, saying, oh, I can't speak French, but you know, have I had a lesson? No, I haven't. I just don't think <laughs> I can speak it. So that's what I get paid to do. I get paid to help people to really build confidence in a really non-salesy way of selling. I love helping people with their messaging and with their client attraction, helping them attract more leads so they can make more money and do more of what they came here to do. Because Mm -hmm. I only work with people who have got something really valuable to offer and they believe in it themselves, even if they don't have complete confidence, because a lot of us don't when we first start our businesses. But yeah, and I see what they can't always see in themselves, help bring that out, help them sell it with confidence so that they can help more people. Because of course, if they're not making sales, they're not helping people, they're not doing what they came here to do and they're struggling and then they leave their clients struggling. They walk away from them after they've just maybe given one little objection and they leave them in the same possibly bad state that they found them in. So yeah, I think it's an important calling and I'm loving it. Yeah, I love that on so many levels. So first off, you mentioned that you sort of see the potential in people and that they often don't see in themselves, which is precisely why I started this podcast probably a superpower that both you and I have, but in different areas. And second, I'd love to know with that lovely lady that your friend that you helped out, did she have a high ticket offer and you actually helped her get on calls and close people with it? Or was it actually just looking through her whole kind of marketing message as to what she was missing and overcoming your objections? I'm curious about that. Sure. So at that time, she'd already done the launch and she had tons of people to speak Mm. to. I think she had like 22 people and not one person has said yes. And I mean, that's actually an amazing amount of 
that she so her lead generation worked really well and that's I guess what she spent the money on but she was getting on all of these calls and yeah she wasn't closing anybody so it was really just helping her with her sales conversations helping her get a really confident easy simple close helping her to overcome those objections helping her to set herself up as an authority and just have a like a bit of a structure to follow and getting confident with yeah you can do this and with specific calls as well. Like if she was having to call one of the people back, I could really help her with each of the specific call. But she got such great results so quickly. I knew she'd be great at sales. It didn't make any sense to me why this was happening at all, but it was just that she hadn't had any training and she just thought she'd be good at it because she was good at everything else. But she really, she needed help, yeah. I would love to know, do you think that anybody can be a great salesperson with the right training I'm really curious to think whether you believe that's true it's such a great question Natalie so the answer is yes I do so you need to lean into it and you need to work on it you can't expect to fall into everything in life and just get it like that and be great at everything so a lot of people have this resistance around sales so the first thing is you have to notice a resistance and then want to get some training and want to work on it a bit But once people do, absolutely, like the best salesperson I know, probably maybe the second best, it's kind of, I don't know, 50-50, but her name is Leisha and she is a self-confessed introvert. She's about five foot three. She looks about 19 years old. She talks really, really softly and sweetly, but she is genius at selling like $25,000 programs, like she's taking a walk around the block. A brilliant communicator. She asks really great question. So for any of my lovely introvert ladies out there, you can so be brilliant at sales because what introverts, I mean, I'm meant to be an introvert, even though I quite like talking when I get started, but what introverts can be really good at is reading energy and listening Mm -hmm. and also asking really great questions. And that's really what the soul of sales is about of good sales, that is. And it's just really about really understanding your ideal client and really wanting to help them get to what's really going on for them so that they can see very clearly if that your product or service is going to be right for them. If it's not right, absolutely fine. You're going to get to a clear yes or no where that prospective client really feels it in their gut. This is right for me or this really isn't right. No problems either way. But you want to help them get there because you're doing them a service. So, yeah, just to reiterate, Mm -hmm. I do think that everybody can be brilliant at sales, especially if you can build up the belief in yourself and your product and your service. That's another thing. I mean, even me, when I first started out, I wasn't that confident in sales. I just wanted people to say yes. (laughs) Yeah, like all of that. And you kind of think you're good at what you do, but you don't 100% know. And you don't want to talk people into, I don't know, I had a lot of that stuff going on myself. But what happens, I had to apply myself again and retrain and spend tens of thousands on getting everything up and sorted again in my sales because what changed for me is I let someone walk away like I talked about before and I knew she was going to go broke without my help. I knew exactly how to help her. She gave me one objection and I let her walk away and Mm. I felt like I'd really let her down. So I thought this has to change and that's when I really applied myself. 
I started enrolling a lot more people and then I started getting that amazing feedback like those testimonials this has been pretty life-changing I mean sales can be life-changing because when people have beat their heads against a brick wall for maybe even years some of them either get sorts of clients either people who are just starting their business who are go-getters who know that they need some sales training from the start and I love working with those people and I also get the people who have been trying to do whatever they're doing for sometimes two or three years not really making any money and then they finally get around to it I love working with those people Mm. as well I think you're so right there because the biggest thing that you touch on that has to be true is you have to know that what you're selling is valuable and you have to believe in it. I mean, I know there are great salespeople out there who can sell anything, but I found for myself personally when I was selling high-end coaching, you know, and five-figure packages that I had to fully believe in the transformation that I was going to get for my clients and wholeheartedly believe in it to authentically show up on those calls. And then it was, as you said, easy because I knew their objections in advance because I'd have all those objections too. I knew what they were going to ask before they did. And so I could actually often say, look, now I know that you're thinking X or I know that you're thinking maybe I can't afford this and really talk them kind of off that ledge of the self-sabotage you sort of talk about of I've done this for so long. Why is this going to change with you? Or why is this product of course going to change? So I think it is important to obviously believe in what you're offering and that there is a result there. But I'd be curious to know with your expertise, whether you think that is always the necessary ingredient to authentic selling. That what is? That really believing in the thing you are selling. Or do you believe that if you really understand the art of selling and helping people out that you don't have to fully, I'm just curious, Yeah, hopefully you'd believe in what you're selling, right? But there must be times when people are a little unsure or maybe they have those fears themselves or they doubt what they've put together is going to get results. So I guess my question is more around that curiosity of, is it essential that you 100% believe in the thing that you're selling, especially if it's not your thing, or are there ways to overcome that and still get a successful result? Great question. So I think the answer is no, you don't have to believe in yourself Mm. and what you're selling 100% because the thing is when we first start, we're taking a leap of faith in ourselves, in our business idea, and we get really excited sometimes. And then, of course, what happens is we start to get shaky, don't we? Like when we're first starting out especially, it's like, and that is the reality of being an entrepreneur, you know, and every time you level up, even in your business, if you go bigger, you kind of start to get shaky at some points and you you start to potentially doubt yourself and that can make that belief a little shaky. So that's when having a really great sales process will really help you out. Because if you can just follow that and sell in an authentic way, that is going to kind of hold your hand So you can get to the other side of that. And just to remember that you're not talking anyone into anything. Like, so when I've sold really high ticket price items, and if I've been a bit concerned about, oh gosh, I don't want someone to put this on credit and then it not work for them. I really want to help people. And I really don't want to get anyone in any sort of trouble. And I don't want to just talk anyone into anything. So what I actually say myself, and it may or may not be helpful for you guys out there, I actually say a little prayer and I say, you know, dear universe, please help anyone who this is really, truly going to help to say yes. And if it's not going to work for them, let them say no. 
I'll actually say that as an intention before I go in. And then I will just let my sales process do the work, which is really, I mean, the sales process is basically, again, it's about them asking the right questions to them, helping them get really clear so that they can get to that answer themselves. And if you do all of that, you are in complete integrity. And I will say this, I've never once had to compromise my integrity my whole career, any time I've been selling. Yeah. That's awesome so, to hear. Yeah, never once. Yeah. And you can be the absolute best at it. Yeah, if you work the process, if you care about the person you're speaking to, if you're not afraid to face your own resistance, lean into mm-hmm. asking those harder questions, and you want to take that leap of faith, get a great sales process and believe in yourself enough to, in, and your business to get all of those pieces of the puzzle sorted. I'm so glad you said that because I think that piece about your own resistance and selling is probably most of the reason why things don't convert or you don't get people to say yes or they come to that conclusion is because you fully have your own resistance around it, which is an interesting thing to lean into and I love that if people do have a process or a framework or a methodology how important that is every single time to follow that and get results and I know part of a membership that I'm part of that's what she teaches and it's as much about you and your belief and your charisma and just being genuine but it's also about following a tried and true methodology that works and I think we're a lot of people fall down as they don't. As you said, they haven't gone through the training. They haven't read books, gone through courses, been exposed to things, tried and tested. They've tried something once and maybe it didn't go well. And now they're really put off. So I'm keen to dive into some of your techniques that have worked really well for you and that you obviously teach your clients. But I think, yeah, just what would you say is one of the number one things when it comes to your sales messaging that people need to know in order to get this right and to actually get really great results? Great question. So I love messaging because what your messaging does is it's a bit like a vehicle and you are pulling up to your ideal client and you're saying, hey, get on this vehicle with me because I know where you are and where you are is it's a bit rainy and it's cold and it's not that pleasant and I know where you want to go and it's sunny and it's beautiful or it might be snowing, whatever. It's not just anywhere, but it's exactly where you want to go. So you pull up in that vehicle and then they're very clear about where you're going and they get in that vehicle with you and take that next step on your journey, whatever that next step is. Come to a masterclass or even just read more about your profile, even get on your website and subscribe to your free offer, whatever that is, that next step of the journey. So where a lot of people go wrong is I like to call it like the black cab to nowhere. So they pull up from this black cab to nowhere and they're like, come on, get on board. And cab stands for C, which is clever. Now, I work with a lot of really clever entrepreneurs. I'm really lucky. I I somehow seem to just attract uh, smart people and sometimes they can get a little bit clever and philosophical in their messaging and it's great And I love poetry and philosophy and stuff, but if the words are too big and I have to think about it too much, what (laughs) happens, of course, is people bounce off, especially Mm -hmm. if they don't know you yet. People have got very short attention spans. So you don't want to have it too clever. You want it to be so that a 12-year-old can understand it. Really nice, so not too clever. Now, the second letter is A, and that's where we make it all about us. And Mm. that is... 
Yeah. Love that mistake. I'm sure I used to do that in the past and I totally love that you pulled that up. So carry on. Yeah. A lot of us make that mistake. Um, So I love LinkedIn as a platform. And what this can look like is having LinkedIn look like a CV. Oh, Mm -hmm. Kate is really good at this and that and the other. You don't want to do that. Another way this kind of rears its ugly head is if you've got an awesome new program and you might have seven hours of video and you're like, oh, I've got seven hours of video. But if your ideal client is super busy and that's one of their problems, they're not going to like the sound of that at all. You might be really proud of it, but they're thinking, oh, God, seven hours of video. If you make it then say so that you can always find what you need at the time you need it and you don't need to watch the whole lot, but you've got to be very careful not to make it all about you and the things you want to talk about. And the last letter is B, which is broad. Now, Mm. I've been guilty of this when I first started my business, especially like a lot of us entrepreneurs, we hate niching. Like we're kind of big. We do. We do. (laughs) Don't put me in a box. You know, how about all these people I could help and I'm not going to get a chance to if I go in this little box of being niche. But the thing is, this is the absolute truth, everybody, if you're struggling with this, you can have different niches, but start with one. Because if it's too broad, the minute it doesn't talk to your ideal client and it's speaking to someone else entirely, they will bounce. They're gone, okay? That's that black cab to nowhere. They're like, I don't want to go where you're taking me. That's for someone else. They won't get in your cab. So what you want to do instead is you want to supercharge your messaging and you don't want to just pull up in a cab. You want to call in the SAS, which means you are going to fly them to their destination fast professionally and yeah it's going to be a good thing for them to get on board so with the SAS the S stands for specific and you want to make your messaging again as specific as possible so using their your ideal client's terminology about that rainy place they're in what does it sound like what does it feel like use their actual language and what's that place look like where they really want to go how do they describe it if you can use their words you are going to supercharge your messaging the a sounds for all about them what i really see so often is everybody seems to when i work with them around the ballot I don't know, four to six week mark, they start to have this cap on of where they really see how things matter to their ideal client. It's a subtle but a very important shift where you're not thinking from your own perspective, you're always thinking from their perspective. And the more you can do that, it's going to supercharge your messaging. And then the last S stands for secrets. So one of the best ways to create amazing messaging is to do your client interviews. And what you're listening for is any secrets. When people say, oh, you know what, I shouldn't really tell you this, but, and then they tell you something. For instance, if you are maybe working with healers and kind of spiritual people and someone says, oh, I shouldn't really want this, but I actually want a shitload of money. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. So what do you want a shitload of money for? They're like, oh, I would buy everything from Goop, you know, like all of those $700 dresses and I would get the most amazing supercharged vitamins and I would buy my parents a home and I would buy organic every day of the week and I would give to my favourite charities and they get really, really pumped up about these things. And so when you are talking to your ideal clients, everybody, you're using these secrets. So you're not just saying you want to earn a lot of money, which to these people is really off-putting. They're like, oh, no, that's not me because they're not 
overt about wanting that. But if you talk about earning wealth and manifesting all of this abundance so they can da 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 all of a sudden they are with you they get on that vehicle with you and they want to go love it i love the sas and the cab i love also just you know the frameworks to keep it easy and simple for people so much to unpack in there but yeah just the niching down but is so important i know we discuss this a lot in my 10k club with my members is, as you said, not going so broad, but being very specific when people land on your website or talk to you in person. I help coaches or I help course creators or I help accountants or I help, as you said, spiritual healers to do X, Y, and Z. And I get why people never want to go too broad because they think all these other people are going to miss out on what they do. But the beauty of going niche and specific is when the right people find you, and that also comes through in your marketing lead generation they're going to know 100% they're in the right place and that you are 100% the perfect person for them because that's who you help. You don't help all accountants around the world. You don't help all course creators. You help coaches who are course creators, for example. And yeah, I know it's hard. I've just actually been talking about this myself on my podcast is that continuing to niche down and how much easier it actually makes your life too because then, as you said, your messaging and your marketing and everything is so much more targeted to that person and the way they speak and the way they think And then you can really start to get in their head. When you're trying to get in the head of every single person that you think you can help, it becomes scattered and unclear and people are like, who do you serve, right? Which I'm sure you would have seen with a lot of your clients. Yeah, Yeah, and that's the thing too, Natalie. It's like if you think about, say, a GP, well, yeah, who gets paid more, a GP or a, you know, like a full-on specialist, like brain surgeon? Like when you niche down, you also attract higher value clients, That is key to know. And also the other thing, it kind of, it's like this big wheel that gets going. The more of your ideal clients you attract, like of your niche clients, when you get these testimonials and someone sees themselves very specifically in exactly that same place, that rainy place, talking about the same way and how they really got to the place where they're going and they're exactly in a similar industry and struggling with the same things, everything starts working better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, niching is pretty important. And for anyone who talk about like how to niche down, just a very easy way to do yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love your advice on it. I always like it's always good to get different perspectives, but that will be fantastic because I do want people to get over this fear and angst of but if I niche to this all these other people are missing out because I still believe those people will come into your world it doesn't mean like they can't it's just that you're being super clear on who you know you serve best and get the best results for so I'd love for you to yeah talk about the ways that you help people do that yeah sure so I think the first thing is to get over people's blocks about it is you don't have to marry your niche you can actually (laughs) rate it It doesn't have to be forever. And actually, you know, I did this myself. I started out with specifically just spiritual entrepreneurs. Then I worked out that it's kind of more the action takers. I dated that niche for a while and I still get a lot of spiritual entrepreneurs, but I don't just message for them. So it's really great to know that you can try something out and get great messaging around it. And if in six months or eight months time, you want to change your niche, you can absolutely do that. So just a very easy way to do it is you can just write down all of the groups that you can serve, right? And then circle the ones you've got the easiest access to. 
And then out of those lot, just choose the ones that you think you'd get the best results for. Mm. So really super simple. And then just go with that. Know that it doesn't have to be forever. And once you're over that 100K mark, you can choose another niche. You can do another product that's for a slightly different demographic if you want to. Well, you can niche down even more, right? You can say within that niche, I now know that I serve these people best and that they really resonate with what I teach and they get the best results from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. It doesn't have to be forever. Yeah. Just choose one and just go with it. Mm. And I love that you said it's the people who you believe you have easiest access to already in your community. Another big thing that I'm a fan of is working with people who light you up. You're not always going to get your ideal client, but I'm like you. I love working with people who are prepared to take action, who are prepared to invest in themselves and who are prepared to learn and implement, not just be an eternal learner. That takes time as well to figure that out because when I started my business, I loved working with the newbies. I wanted to help everybody who was wanting to travel the world and work from anywhere. And I soon realized that it was the people who were actually already traveling and committed to making it work because they kind of had to in order to fund their lifestyle that were the best people to work with because they took massive amounts of action. They soaked it all up, they implemented and they got results versus what I would call the kind of tire kickers who thought it looked glamorous and fun, but were really just going to buy the course because they wanted to sit at home and live vicariously through you and maybe learn a little, but they were never going to take action. And so that just became really important to me that people self-selected based on the fact that they were going to take the information and the learning and the teaching and the coaching and actually do something with it. Absolutely. Because yeah. we don't want just money for money's sake. We want actually yeah. people to get those results. And once you work with enough people, everything will start to become clearer. But you have to kind of, when you're starting, you do have to, again, take that bit of a leap of faith. And it's the same as being an entrepreneur right the way through. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, there is always going to be that kind of new level, that new leap of faith, that new thing that you're not 100% sure of, but you feel like, okay, this is my next step. So it's about taking those next steps and then things kind of become clear as you said, and you can start niching down, working out who really lights you up and attract more of those people. Yeah, definitely. Before we move on to why modern selling is all about serving, I am curious what made you start with the spiritual healers niche when you started? Was that something you had exposure to? Was it just something that you really appealed and you understood or you saw them often underselling themselves and you wanted to help? I'd just be really curious what led you down that path. So I guess I am really spiritual, even though I'm pragmatic, I'm quite spiritual myself. I have been ever since I was a kid. I'm really interested in meditation and stuff even before I knew much about what it was. But for me, it's so integrated into who I am. I don't kind of come across as too woo-woo, I guess. But yeah, I do feel like a lot of spiritual women, women who are really called to do great things in life, oftentimes do have that resistance around just getting a process down and they think they can't sell. And so there is a real need there for them to get over themselves so that they can create more of an impact because that's Mm. what they want to do. But what I don't love is when they would rather do anything but learn how to sell. They'd rather go broke. I mean, I do still attract a lot of spiritual people, but they are those kind of go-getters who are like, okay, this is what I need and I'm going to learn how to do it. Yeah, and I'm prepared to invest and it's about time. Exactly. Yeah. So modern selling, I love how you said that modern selling is all about serving. Do you want to just explain that a little bit more for people listening and watching? 
Yeah, sure. So I think everyone's got a stigma around selling that push people into things and talk people into things. And it's just really so not about that. It's really, really understanding who that perfect client is, the soul of the person you're speaking to, really being present with them and asking really great questions, as I was kind of explaining before. And also just, you know them so well, you've built your whole offer around them. That's the other great thing about niching down. You know what issues they have that you're basically going to help them get to where they need to go because you know what they're struggling with and you know where they want to go. So everything is so tailored to them. Then it's about really sitting with them, being present with them. And as they are having doubts and qualms, you know, Natalie, I love when you said during your process, you say, look, I think, and at this point you might be thinking, I may not be able to afford this. So what you're doing there, which is so genius, is you're teasing out objections before they actually even come up. And that is such an empowering thing to do for you and for the client. Because not everybody is going to tell you exactly what's going on. They might say, yeah, so let me think about it. And then they're gone and maybe you can't contact them again and you're wondering why. You can't really leave them like that. You need to make it a safe place for them to open up and talk about what's really going on for them and to make it okay for them to have these thoughts and these fears and qualms about moving forward. Because especially with high ticket, they are going to have some really objections that are oftentimes just these fears, these qualms, like I've done programs before, I didn't get results, what's going to make this different? Can I afford this? Is this the best thing for me to invest in right now? If you know all of those before you're going in and you can make it okay for them to talk about them, you're serving them. Then they just talk about them and they're going to potentially resolve it themselves and or you can help them resolve it because once it's out in the open you can then say look hey this is why this is different maybe they've done online courses before and say with my courses I don't believe you can just do an online course you need someone to tailor everything to you and your business otherwise it just doesn't work and the other thing with sales is if you're not holding people's hands why they take those first important steps and just helping them to get those first major wins, they're not going to do it themselves. I mean, maybe some people can do it that way, but most people need tailoring, handholding, especially with sales. So mm-hmm. by teasing those objections out, you can then say why your program or product or service is going to be different. And it's all about just giving them the information that they need, which of course is serving them. And old school is pushing them into things. What Mm -hmm. doesn't serve them too is making it all about you, which means I don't want to sell because they're going to say no and reject me. I'm afraid of them thinking I'm going to be salesy, so I'm not going to sell to them. And then you did what I did when I first started and you let them walk away without buying, even though they really need what you're offering. Mm. And that is not what modern selling is about. Yeah, I love it. Those are some of those mistakes that we make. So often it's about us getting in our own way, our fear of rejection from them not being the right person at the right time, or that we haven't followed the process and haven't got the result. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the years is just to, all of it is an experiment, right? And knowing those objections up front is so important to making it a better sales call, a better process and a better experience for everybody. And I'm just always surprised when people don't do that work and know what they'd be objecting to, because this is 
marketing and sales 101 that we've known for years. And if you think about all the things that you've gone to buy in the past, you've had those questions yourself. I mean, you nailed three of them straight off. Can I afford this? Is this the best time for me? Why is this going to be different to something I've done before? Even if you have the answers ready for those and you can stand behind them and you truly believe in that, that's a great start. That's going to make you feel so much better on the call too. And they're going to trust in your confidence and they're going to be like, okay, Natalie, I can tell that you're going to hold me and you're going to create safe space for me and you're going to do your best by me. So I'm willing to take the leap. Um, Sometimes people just want to be heard as well. You know, like sometimes people just like to talk things out. We all as human beings just really want to be heard and we want to talk about those important fears and so on. And as you said, if you can just make room for them to be able to talk about those things, again, you're serving them the whole time because they'll have little breakthroughs and aha moments from answering those questions for themselves. Yeah, Mm. and especially during the body of the sales call too, just asking those slightly more challenging questions that they may not have even considered themselves and especially busy entrepreneurs and stuff. We barely, sometimes we're just getting on with stuff and we don't even give ourselves the time and space to really delve into some of this stuff. So you'll find that during your whole sales process, the whole thing becomes about serving and they really can have breakthroughs and aha moments and get so much value off the call because you have structured a really amazing sales process. What are just a couple of, or even just one example of a question that would give the person more insights into themselves that you love to use or recommend? Sure. I mean, one that's um, that pops up, which isn't always easy to ask. It's not a great feeling question, but if people are going on as if it's all fine and it's going to be fine, but you know it's not really quite fine, is, well, one question might be, to start with, it might be, I'm just curious as to why you're on the call if everything's going so well. Mm, Yeah. So that can be really powerful because it helps them. Maybe they're having a really good day and they're just in a good attitude, but as a great service provider who wants to do the right thing by your client, you need to get underneath the surface and find out what's really going on to see if you've got the antidote. If Mm. everything's fine, why are you on the call? You can finish the call early and that's okay. But you need to find that out. So you need to firstly get underneath the surface and get that information. And then if people, again, are kind of a bit beastly careless about if they should move forward or not, it is a great question to ask if you were doing exactly the same thing in 12 months from now, what would that look like? Would that be okay with you? That's a powerful one, right? Because then they see that they're just going to probably stay stuck in homeostasis and they're going to be exactly where they were and they've lost 12 months of their time when they could have been earning more money, being more powerful, more healthy, whatever it may be. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Some of those slightly more awkward questions and you've got to just practice them and once you get good Mm -hmm. at them, you'll see how powerful they are because it's your duty to help them get to the truth because the fact is, and they might have already been struggling for years, if they don't take any action, they think that maybe things are going to change, but, hey, let's face it, things probably aren't unless they take some powerful action. Mm -hmm. So those questions can be really powerful. And finally, with the close, as we close this podcast here, even though we could talk for ages, I know, you've touched on it a little bit, but that close is all important, right? It's not about letting them get away, but really making sure that you've got closure at that point. What do you think is one of the biggest mistakes people do when they get to that point where they are saying the investment will be 
or let's work together or let's make this happen. What's one of the biggest mistakes that you see people making, even if they've done the whole sales process really well? Well, the first one would be, I think, is not asking for the sale. Mm. You know, that is the biggest one that everyone does. And I've been guilty of it myself. I have had someone say, I can't afford like the 20 grand or whatever that program was and I let them walk away and then they invested in a $26,000 program I heard it like a day or two later there's a common saying that either you sell them or they sell you so it's really important to also understand that not everyone's going to behave the way you would behave if you're really excited and kind of sold on an offer like for me I would let people know I go oh that's really great oh that sounds really exciting oh and I'm quite open about how I feel but some people quite closed and you've got to understand that if there's an energy change if they either usually really talkative and they go quiet you might think oh well they're not interested and sometimes you just let them get off the call without even asking for the sale Mm -hmm. and it happens a lot so I've had people like that and I'm like they've barely given me anything the whole sales conversation and I've gone so do you want to go ahead and they're like yes I'm like, oh, what? Oh, yeah, okay, right, okay. And you get these amazing surprises. So even if you can make an agreement with yourself to always ask for the sale Mm -hmm. because those buying signals are a little bit harder to see, again, when you're first starting out or if you just haven't done sales that much. But those changes of energy and going really quiet can often be a really powerful buying signal. So, yeah, that's a major one, which is just asking for the sale. And then it's just knowing what clothes to you. I get everybody, like I kind of teach about, I don't know, six kind of closing questions. And they're just going to get really confident on two of them. Get Mm. really, really super confident and practice and practice and practice them till they just roll off the tongue super, super casually. So it doesn't matter if the sale is so important to you and it might be a huge sale to you and you really, really want it and need it and you're worried about sounding a little bit nervous and your voice or might desperate. Be, oh, desperate. <laughs> yeah. But if you practice it enough, it's going to come out really nice and that you ask for the sale in that really nice tone and that really light tone and it comes out like that mm. simply because you've practiced it so much. So that's another thing. Yeah, I love that because I've definitely been in that place too where I get to that point and then I'm like, this has been such a fun conversation. It's great and they're really excited and you kind of leave it with, oh, but so we could go ahead, but, you know, no pressure. And then they're like, oh, and as you said, they're like, no, let's do it. Or you get to that point where it's like, oh, well, let me think about it. And that's just, as you said, you've done a real disservice at that point because if you've had them that whole way and then you're not confident enough to make the ask, it's almost like all that hard work you've done in listening and answering their questions and really understanding them has gone out the window. And at that point, you've just kind of lost them versus, as you said, if you've practiced and you're really calm and comfortable about it, they see that and they react to that energy and they're like, let's do this, which is exciting. So exciting because then you know you get to help them. Yeah, which is amazing. So many good tears, so much juiciness. And I really hope that this conversation has just kind of actually made people feel a bit more relaxed and excited about how sales can be fun and to not view it as this often dragon in the room or this thing that you can't do because as Kate's kindly shared, it's about practice and process and purpose and listening and questioning and being prepared. And all of those things make anything good, like holding a summit, running a webinar, being on stage, anything. These are things that I think 
you just can't say I'm not good at that because you've never even given it a shot or trained or prepared or taught yourself these techniques. So Kate, so awesome. I've been real blast to have you here. I would love for people to know where they can get in touch with you to learn more about becoming confident at this. And I'm sure you have some great free resources too. So where is the best place for them to say thank you and learn more about you? Right. Well, my favorite platform is LinkedIn. So anyone can find me on there and just send me a friend request. Love to see you on there. I also give like these one minute videos, which have got really pragmatic, great tips that you Mm. should get like something out of every, every time you see them. I do three to five a week. So that's a great place to come find me. Plus it is a great place to find your ideal clients for most people. So I'm super passionate about LinkedIn. You can also come to my website. Now, for anyone who wants a couple of really easy closing questions that actually get your ideal client to close themselves, I've got that as my free offer on my website. And I get so much great feedback about them. They're like, oh, people email me back and say, oh, these are really easy to do. And I'm so glad I've learned these. And can you know, can I share them with my friends and all that kind of thing? And so that will hopefully help you with your closing. And you can jump on my email list. It's always me on the other end. So you can always reply to any of my emails and ask me any questions. I'm here to help. And I've got a masterclasses, which are always so value filled. I've got one coming up shortly. And again, I get such great feedback because I hate the webinars and masterclasses that just got one little tip. Mine are just Mm. so value packed. People are always raving. In fact, I got asked to do my last one in front of 2000 chiropractors. Wow. Exactly as is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, love to meet anyone out there who uh, resonates and uh, lots of love. And it's been such a fun interview, Natalie. Yeah. Great to chat with you. It's been really awesome. I will link to all that in the bottom of the show notes so that people can just click and go and find it. But in the meantime, thank you so much for your generosity and for making sales more fun. Alrighty, I hope you got a ton out of that episode. I know this is a topic I want to cover so much more on the podcast. And in the meantime, please do go and check out katehorelacy.com. That's Kate, H-O-R-E-L-A-C-Y.com or head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash 122. This is episode 122 and I've shared the link to Kate, Kate on LinkedIn, and also just more about how you can learn about this awesome lady and how she can help you out. If you did enjoy this episode, please tag me on Instagram at Natalie Sisson. Um, Screenshot yourself listening in. I always think that's fun to know where you are tuning in from or the podcast app you're listening into. Let me know what you loved or learned and just share this with a friend who honestly sucks at selling or thinks they suck at selling, but they haven't even given themselves a chance or could be doing so much better because they do amazing work, but they're simply not putting themselves out there in the right way. I would really appreciate that. And as always, all episodes can be found at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Have an amazing week and remember you are incredible and you deserve to tap into your potential and get paid to be you.